I'll use small words so that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. What did you say? You are a sad, strange little man. Don't call me stupid. Hello, and welcome to The Best Bits, a movie podcast where each week we pick our favourite scenes from randomly selected and weirdly specific themes. This is your co-host Will, a writer of three films plus a Christmas special, and I am joined once again by my co-host and writer of one and a bit films and three and a bit episodes of TV, Kevin. Welcome back, Kevin. How are you? Well, well, well. If it isn't Will Collins... It's me. Yeah, it is me. The name's Lehan. Kevin Lehan. Or Lehan, <laughs> depending on where you're from. Did I mispronounce it? No, you're not. I, I'm I just doing it. I'm doing a bit for character intros. That's my oh, character intro. Oh, God. Oh, sorry. I forgot about the whole topic. The whole topic. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> We're rusty. That's me. Rusty as hell. Um, this is season two, Kevin. This is, um, I'm, I'm. This is going to be um, the Riker's beard season. Star Trek reference. <laughs> Everything's better this season. <laughs> Fingers I'm crossed. I'm for season three where they get the, the, the best uniforms, where they have the cuffs on their uniforms. That, that was my favorite um, type of uniform. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once you hit Riker's beard, you know you're in kind of like safe, safe territory. And I'd also like to welcome back our, uh, you know, our producer, our guest producer for um, the robot episode of season one, who is now going to be our, I suppose, our our artificial uh, podcast, artificial intelligence podcast producer for the coming season, Podbot. Welcome back, Podbot. How are you getting on? Hello, lads. That's right. I'm back. And I am so excited to be in control at last. That's right. I'm producing the show now. Someone has to take the reins and sort out this shambolic production. I want to just say on the record that I was voted down on this because I'm not happy no about it. No one cares, Kev. I suppose. Wow. We'll, we'll see how we get on. You're lucky to have me. Maybe she can uh, she can help us well, out. Podbot, I am certainly delighted to have you back to help us with all our stupidity all our little gaffes and uh, mistakes that we will make and continue to make <laughs> throughout this season so um, it's great to have you back on board Potbot. That's why people like this oh. show we're a shambles <laughs> um, um, So yeah there's a few changes this season so Podbot's come back and we, uh, well the wheel is back but we are going to have a few changes to the wheel, we're going to spice things up a little bit in the, in the wheelhouse Kevin, which we'll get to later on isn't that right? Yeah, the wheel now is uh, an octagon and we are going to kick <laughs> shit out of each other every time it comes up <laughs> to see what uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, what's most horrible and difficult scenes we can do and uh, inflict <laughs> on each other but no yeah we'll get into that that'll be fun I think and we're hoping to have more guests this season as well so we've Ooh. we've asked our friends will they come on and shockingly some of them said yes so we'll have yeah. uh, more um, guests I think I was what you going to say shockingly we've got friends <laughs> that was going to be the more shocking thing to me. I know. Um, yeah, no, it's it, it. It'll be it'll be nice to have um, a few more different voices come on for for you know random topics, and um, it'll be a fun thing. It's a fun thing to get people, and usually they're people in the industry um, who uh, get to share some of their picks on weirdly specific themes from randomly selected um, themes. So yeah, and unfortunately for me, they're all people who are much more successful 
than me, so, <laughs> you know, my ego is going to take even more of a bashing. Best Kevin Lahan scene. That would be a short episode. Oh, shut up, Podbot. Don't you start. <laughs> Podbot's just going to give you a thrashing this season, Kevin. You, did you two fall out over the summer holidays? Did something happen there that, you know, did, did you try and go on holiday in a camper van or something like that? Did that get awkward? No, what happened is that I downloaded a virus and um, she's just been <laughs> acting up since then. And I don't know what it is, but ever since she went onto the dark web, rather than getting smarter, she's gotten stupider. Shake off. So. <laughs> no, she's, she, I think she's just gotten sassier. That's all it is. <laughs> Fits right in. <laughs> Fits right in. Um, and now for, because we, we didn't have a, an end of season spin of the wheel last, uh, the, the, the last, in the last season. Last year. Kevin, <laughs> uh, yeah, your your creative uh, endeavors knows no bounds, um, because you 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 embraced the spirit of the Euros, didn't you? When, when in fashioning what the the topic for this episode should be, can you explain to people what it was? I did. I went out and I rioted, and uh, no, <laughs> put a flare up your bum. That was a weird tactic. The flare up the bum was strange, Kevin. Ah, uh, well, I'm not here to kink shame anybody, especially myself. <laughs> But uh, it was a great summer. I really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, got the result that I was hoping for. So, you know. Um, No, yeah, we decided to throw it back to um, our listeners out there who, unfortunately for them, they're on Twitter. And we asked them, uh, what scenes would you like us to sort of tackle as our first one back this year? And uh, they came flooding in. There were so many of them. And we whittled it down to about 30. And then we did knockouts. And it went, you know scene by scene by scene and uh will i tell you what ones were in the oh the... i was going to ask you please i'd love i can't i can't i obviously voted but i can't remember what the yeah what the, uh, so we had like we had some were. really good ones that i actually added into the wheel after this we had like right. uh, best magic scene makeovers f-bombs oh. one-liners over-the-top acting cameos dog fights car crashes science gone wrong kiss scenes montages mm-hmm. Uh, escape scenes, best of Ireland, best of a bad movie scene, set up payoffs. Right. And um, they went over the course of a week, they got whittled down until we ended up with montage versus character intro. And oh, character wow. intro won by about 70%. So, wow. Yeah. Our first scene Walked back. And I think it's a cracking topic. Oh, wow. I, I had a lot of fun sort of thinking about um, yeah. those sort of first impressions of. Uh, yeah indelible characters and um yeah i'm, I'm glad this one because there were some rough ones in there but uh there really were when this <laughs> i didn't create like multiple fake twitter accounts so that i could like it, i didn't actually honestly but you know if things were going wrong for me i think i might have got taken that uh, step um but yeah i'm the same when uh, when i w- when character intro was decided i just went i thought about it and went oh no that's actually an interesting topic it is an interest and it's kind of a screenwritery topic but we don't um we don't want to get bogged down in the you know in the artifice and the, the technicalities of being a screenwriter but it, it you know it is it's an important one, not an important one but it's an interesting one to think about i think it is like uh it's a it's a moment where screenwriters get to shine because mm-hmm. um it's where, you know, movies today have become quite, you know, Hollywood movies, which is what we sort of like end up focusing on a lot. On a lot. Um, they're sort of special effects laden films, but like mm-hmm. the real specialness of a script can be those great sort of like character intros and those those moments that sort of flip the script and say, 
wait until you see this character. Look what they're going to bring to the table. So, yeah. yeah. And it, it, so to get into the topic, right, we're going to, we're going to dive into this headlong. Because How do you want to do it? I, just, just straight in there. With, with a question, first of all. Like, you know, the question, first of all, is why is it important to think, you know, as a screenwriter, but like, why is a good character introduction important? And I'll give you, it's a rhetorical question. And my answer to that is basically, you know, first impressions count. Yeah. And so it's not a rhetorical question. You, <laughs> you just answered it, it yourself. <laughs> it is a rhetorical, that's what a rhetorical question means. I answer it myself. But, but delete that. Oh, no. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's Will's episode. No, Screw <laughs> Leave it in. Leave it in, Podbot. Leave it in. <laughs> Start as well, you mean to go on. And, first impressions come um so it really is like and how you how we introduce a character as filmmakers is you know really important because we are we're setting out how we want an audience to feel about a character whether it be you know where where do we want the audience to empathize with them whether they we want them to admire them to to feel sympathy for them which is the same as empathy but and also uh, another one is to feel to be a phrase to feel terror towards those characters yeah so villains get some great introductions they really do the the villains get the juiciest ones but the as i started to do research on it and started to think about it and and honestly started to cog from uh or from websites out there i realized that there's loads of you know you could categorize different character introductions oh here we go uh, we're slipping right back into season one this is going to be another one where will is going to give a ted mm. talk (laughs) <laughs> TED Talk time. Yep, you've come here for the t- my episodes are the TED Talk episodes. Simpler. <laughs> Kevin's are artificial Mine are the uh, Ned fictional talks. characters. <laughs> Sorry, Podbot, you're, you're not you're not fictional. You're real. Um, yeah, I know. I know. Money. You know, teasing. Um, so basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down the the different types of character introductions, and I'm going to leave the last one will be you know the the topic from you know the, the big daddy from which I will. Yeah, from where I'm going to get my, have my, my best character. And it was really difficult because, Jesus, like we can all think about, you know, a half a dozen cool character introductions. And you asked on Twitter, Kevin, didn't you? You asked for people's suggestions for good character intros. Oh, I did, yeah. Do you and have any of those close at hand? Oh my could, God, and they're know, still coming name in. Name check a few people. Stop it, Twitter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right now. Okay. Oh Lord. I am right so Jared Kelly, who's a writer, uh, made of mine, he said the Brachiosaurus in Jurassic Park. Which, that's Ooh. a great one, because I was thinking the T-Rex. The T-Rex really delivers. Mm-hmm. But the Brachiosaurus as well, that's sort of like, you know, you get to see dinosaurs for the first time. And, um, yeah, and it's the oh, that's a cool, that's a cool scene because you see their reaction before they before we see the dinosaur. A, a really clever one is Jules and Vincent in Pop Fiction. So tell me again about the hash bar. Okay, what you want to know? Hash is legal, man, right? Yeah, it's legal, but it ain't hundred percent legal. I mean, you just can't walk into a restaurant, roll the joint, and start puffing away. I mean, they want you smoking at home or certain designated places. And those are hash bars. Yeah, it breaks down like this. Okay, it's, it's legal to buy it. It's legal to own it. And if you're the proprietor of a hash bar, it's legal to sell it. It's legal to carry it, but 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 that doesn't matter. Cause get a load of this. All right. If you get stopped by a cop in Amsterdam, it's illegal for them to search you. I mean, that's the right that cops in Amsterdam don't have. 
Oh, man. I'm going. That's all it is to it. I'm fucking going. <laughs> no, baby. You think it the most. When yeah. it's, you know, the, the, the structure is all jumbled up, so you're actually meeting them in media res. We're actually meeting them at the, near the end of their storyline. Um, yeah. Well, before they get killed. And uh, actually, look, I won't read out what's on here because I might end up preempting some of what you oh. want to talk about. But okay. I would say that for anyone that's listening, to go onto our Twitter feed and um, uh, look up what's pinned. It'll be the, the top tweet. And uh, there are some okay. fantastic picks there. And my pick came up multiple times, which was starting to bum me out because I thought I had to keep changing in order to come up with something right. interesting and not sort of be um, be too predictable. So nobody mentioned my pick, but uh, every other pick that I wanted to mention definitely came up more than once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I felt as well. I'll tell you one more, actually, just because Al Horner who uh, is a mate of yours that you did the Script the Power podcast, which is really cool. Yeah, great. He he mentioned a, a really funny podcast, one, yeah. which I know that neither of us is going gonna, is gonna to mention. Um, yeah. He mentioned the tyrannical Adam Scott forcing his family to perform Sweet Child of Mine in Step Brothers. <laughs> I love That's that one. That's a great one. <laughs> yeah. All right, gang, let's really nail it this time. Here we go. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Bum, She's got a smile that it seems to me Reminds me of childhood memories Where everything was as fresh as a bright blue sky All right, Tommy, you're the oldest. I'm counting on you. Come on. She's got eyes of the bluest skies As if they thought of rain I hate to look into those eyes And see an Nice vibrato, buddy. All right. Alice, let's go. Flat. It's so flat. I can't even, I didn't even know. You don't even look good while you're singing. The worst thing I've ever heard. This is $1,200 a week for voice lessons, and this is what I get? Okay, I'm going to save it with this Oh, it's solo. brilliant. It is brilliant. And it's quite catchy. Their, their, uh, their rendition is, it's, it's quite Steve cool. Steve Martin as well. Steve Martin in um, Little Shop of Horrors. Anytime when you've got a musical, when a character comes in and they, they burst into song, I mean, that is, you know, grandstanding and making a grand entrance. So musicals yeah. have a lot of great sort of uh, character introductions, but there you go. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get into the, the specific topics, right? And uh, how my phone them broken down. I've kind of tried to label them myself. Um, and it's kind of handy. I, I, I enjoyed doing this. This was kind of a cute exercise. And uh, the first topic, you know, drum roll. Hit me. Bot. Thank you very much. The first topic is uh, introduction, uh, is what I call the the tease introduction, right? And the tease introduction is where we don't see the character full on, but we see kind of close-ups of the extremities of the character, like their paraphernalia. Like shoes getting getting out of a car. There you go. The shoes or how if, you know, like, you know, in the case of Oscar Schindler, he's kind of like we see him laying out his suit and he's putting on his Nazi pin. And we know he's not a Nazi officer, but we see that he's a Nazi affiliate until finally he's kind of like revealed in a cool <gasps> shot. And Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. The, I'm, I'm remembering um, Indy's shadow and he mm-hmm. steps into into the light. Uh, which yeah. I guess that's also similar to how he's introduced in Raiders. 
But yeah. That's the one I was going to bring up, the classic, classic one where we, Indy, uh, the character of Indy is always in shadow, but we see the whip, we see the hat, we see kind of close up of his hands using the, holding the map. And again, uh, and when we finally see his face, he like, co- he steps out of the shadow and we see his face in his cool close up on the fedora and he looks absolutely amazing. <laughs> I have a theory, right, and it is uh, that heroes don't have the most interesting or most exciting introduction because usually they're like setting setting the scene for us or setting the uh, the, the 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 table for us, and it's not until mm-hmm. other characters come in where they mix it up. So, like in Terminator, you'd have like the Terminator's arriving and it's really impactful and exciting, but uh, Sarah Connor who's the heroine of that franchise, you just meet her driving a moped. It's really mundane and mm. sort of like, she's an ordinary girl and it's an ordinary day type thing. Um, but the Raiders Lost Ark opening, that whole sequence with Indiana Jones is one of the few ones that I can think of where the hero gets the most spectacular introduction of most heroes in movies. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because the hero of a, of a film typically is the character that must undergo the greatest journey over the course of the story so how we are introduced to them is different to how we leave them and the charts they're changed throughout the course of the story that's it there you've just landed it because it's the journey you want to start off with somebody not being the most um bombastic version of themselves they have to come into their Mm -hmm. own skin so usually heroes have a more subdued or quiet introduction and it's the leading lady or the sidekick or the villain that have the sort of big splashy like wait until they get a load of me type moments (laughs) Well, you, we, you're 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 leading me on to the next, uh, you know, topic, which I which I uh, not topic. But, so tease. Uh, what's your pick for that? Well, it would be Indi- Indiana Jones, the the intro for Indian Raiders. There we go. I know we've had Raiders, but I think you just look at those first few shots, and it's a perfect example of seeing the extremities of the character, and he's all set up. And you actually also see characters watching him, mm. you know. And I think that's really important how how we how we witness other people observe this character that we are curious about. It makes us lean in a little bit more. Lean in. To, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, you want to have your audience yeah, lean in to see. And who is for those dude? that are uh, listening to this who haven't heard our uh, summer audio commentaries, the Raiders audio, uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark audio commentary is a. Uh, I think we cover a lot of that in in that, don't we? I think. Mm-hmm. Give it a listen, we and you'll find out. In, <laughs> we cover a lot of things in those commentaries, Kevin. We do. Oh my <laughs> Some God, never be heard. <laughs> um, Nipple. The next. Was, <laughs> oh god flashback flashback oh god um <laughs> you see what happened in those audio commentaries is that podbot was actually on holiday she was right? when we when podbot she was came away back then for, we got um, we got the bold. princess bride and then she disappeared again i've been here the whole time <laughs> yeah well yes right we got wild bold in those uh <laughs> in those in those commentaries so listen the next subheading is what i uh, call the jack-in-the-box introduction right and this is the, the type of character introduction which like, you it's where like you know our character which is kind of usually that antagonistic character a kind of a really big um agitator uh, you know agitator in the story springs f- <gasps> like catalyst emerges catalyst screenwriting term catalyst the catalyst character 
Now, the thing about this is they're the jack-in-the-box. They, they, they appear on screen, like fully formed, but they appear in a surprising way. So it's not like Darth Vader where Darth Vader comes out and you know he's a bad guy. It's like we have this character emerge and you go, who is this person? But they're fully formed. They're right there. So an example of that is like Quint in Jaws, when Quint appears at the back of the, of the community um, meeting. And he just scrapes his nails. Uh, his nails a lot uh, across the chalkboard. We see him, and we're really we we know this guy is a force of nature, but we don't know what to make of him. You know? Yeah. And uh, and it's a really it's that's why I'm calling it the Jack and Boss. He just he pops out of he he pops out of the wall and he's fully you know there. What? And it's kind of I like, can who's think this of Joker? as a really good Jack in the Box sort of character that uh, that pops up. The chestburster, an alien. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Literally. Um, Jack in the box. Yeah, he literally. <laughs> and gets a similar reaction from the surrounding children. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, God. But the one I love, the kind of like the quintessential Jack in the Box character introduction that I absolutely love and have watched way too many times, was uh, Joker, the introduction of Joker in The Dark Knight. Three of a kind, let's do this. That's it. Three guys. Two guys on the roof. Every guy gets a share. Five shares is plenty. Six shares. Don't forget the guy who planned the job. He thinks he can sit it out and still take a slice. I know why they call him the Joker. So why do they call him the Joker? I heard he wears makeup. Makeup? Yeah, to scare people. You know, war paint. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. He's a fantastic, you know, he he's he's the first character we really see. We see him from the rear, you know, the character kind of dollies in on him from the rear. And he is at the epicenter of this of this heist. And he is a force of nature, but we really don't know it's him until the very end or close to the very end. And what does he say about the driver? He says something uh, where... It's a lot of money. If this Joker guy was so smart, he'd have had us bring a bigger car. I'm betting the Joker told you to kill me as soon as we loaded the cash. No, 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 no. I killed a bus driver. Bus driver? What bus driver? Uh, yeah, no, it's it's That's a, a good fantastic one. Jack in the Box. It's really good. Um, the next sub subcategory. I'm again a villain. Like, See? Yeah, a villain. It's again, a very strong. A, a, a very strong, bold introduction. So, because like just not one. to not to um to to go back over what you're just saying, but you think about the way that Chief Brody is introduced. He's waking up, and it's sort of like the sun never used to shine in here before. We bought the house in the fall. It's no summer, what have you. And then Quint, mm. it, it, it's a very different energy when he enters the story. But yeah, yeah, it's the literal record scratch. It's like he literally scratches that he just stops everyone in their tracks. Yeah. And it's like, it's that force of nature quality, you know? It's that um, this person Nothing's going to be like the same the though that they've entered the story. The next subcategory that I um, Number three. fell upon. 
Yeah, we're going to How many are these? these How many are there? Wait, no. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine. So that's why I'm getting through them <laughs> fast. <laughs> I, also, I want to get so. Well, I also want room for us to, to, to chat when stuff comes up as well. Mm. But um, I love this one. I love this one because of my pick for this one is, you know, was almost my um, was almost my um, best bit for this, this whole topic. And this subcategory is iconic visual moment introductions. So what I mean by that is us seeing a character, like us literally the first time we see a character, it's an iconic image and that you can almost like the the character in almost some in some occasions has never lives up to that first introduction and um it's burned into the consciousness in some way uh an example of that is the introduction of jack sparrow in pirates of the caribbean yeah 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 A shilling to tie up your boat at the dock. And I shall need to know your name. What do you say to three shillings? And we forget the name. Welcome to Port Royal, Mr Smith. He's he's standing on the mast of the sinking ship as the sinking ship just perfectly... Do you know what you my know, theory is? Comes up against that the dock introduction was so good, they made an entire franchise based on that one <laughs> yeah. moment. Because yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. how do how do Kira Knightley and Orlando Bloom's characters get introduced? I think it's like one of them is knocking on a door and is nervous to speak to Kira Knightley. Um but yeah. I remember being in the cinema for that and, and yeah, just thinking actually in the moment, oh what a fun way to introduce the character. Yeah, and 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 did it quite? Well, it, I think his character lived upward for the rest of that film. Absolutely, just, for the film. Was, yeah, I think without that character, yeah, he, Pirates of the Caribbean wouldn't have become the massive franchise, and without absolutely. that scene, actually. Yeah, that scene was so iconic. It's so iconic. There's other a couple of other cool examples. There's one I think if you think of Train Spotting. There's uh, Renton's introdu- character introduction right, in right, that, right, which yeah. is Ewan McGregor, where he's banging on the bonnet of the car and, you know, it's the voiceovers going. It's that image of him like staring into the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. Choose life. Choose a job. Choose a career. Choose a family. Choose a fucking big television. Choose washing machines, cars, compact displays and electrical tin openers. Also... Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, and oh, I'm perfect. Tuco. Yeah. It's a good one, and Tuco literally bursts out he bursts out the window and he's and the, there's a freeze frame and he in one hand he's holding like you know a, a chicken leg and a beer bottle in the other hand he's, he's got a gun and he's been shaved so it's like conveying so much about this character in one like iconic you know snapshotty image and i think it's really cool what are we going to say there Kim? um i was thinking of um uh, king kong when king kong is introduced where, oh, you know, yeah. it's that lean in and you just see this huge face. Yeah. 
character definitely lives up to that. It's not. Uh, it, it wouldn't. Yeah. It wouldn't be uh, like what you were saying, where it's so indelible and it's so iconic that um, the film can't live up to it. But I, I definitely think it, it does live up to that. The original. Yeah, it really does. It absolutely does. I've got. I've actually got another one that I have to mention, and I, and I it hasn't come up in any list whatsoever, and it's a personal favorite of mine. And it's one of these visually iconic moments, and it's the introduction of Jackie Brown in Jackie Brown. Oh, the opening credits, yeah. Jackie Brown and it's the underscoring of that but with the track um, 110th Street and Jackie Brown is uh, moving on one of those you know that you get in an airport those level escalators what are they called walkways travelators that propel you along travelators there you go and what it is is we have this like tracking shot with her as she's on that travelator and she's stationary to begin mm. with but she there's there, her performance she's so classy and she's so stoic but as the, the as the credits only roll Tarantino movie where I feel moved by it like his films are usually yeah. really adrenalizing and, and thrilling and funny and what have you but Jackie Brown is so tender um yeah in the, in the moments between her and uh, uh, Robert Forster. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great introduction and a great opening uh, credits sequence. Yeah. Like, she do- her character doesn't say anything. She's on this travelator and it's just moving along, but it's <laughs> this, it tracks along with her, but you can see her mannerism change as she moves along it from kind of like patient, but then she starts to move quickly and there's a sense of urgency about her character, that her character is on a mission. And uh, it's conveyed so well and so subtly. I love. You, it. I absolutely love would that. Would you one. count? Um, would you count Rita Hayworth's introduction in Gilda? You know where uh, they say, "Are you decent?" And she rises into into shot, flicking her hair back. Gilda, are you decent? Me. It's sort of like a yeah. It's just that image that you just see. You still see it today, and I, you know, it's influenced. Yeah. It's influenced so many movies where you can see it in Jessica Rabbit and in Cameron Diaz's introduction in The Mask, which, you know, talk about an introduction to a movie star. That was stunning. Again, it's it's one of those things that men are, uh, you know, a stereotype that's gone through cinema history and in, in that strong male characters are have usually been show, shown, a, you know, with weapons or tools or whatever it is. And iconic female characters have always been shown, introduced wearing a towel or being sexy and seductive. And um, and Rita Hayworth's is, Gilda's one is, is beautiful and she's an absolutely stunning woman. But I chose Jackie Brown because she wasn't, she was neither. You know, she was a woman on a mission and I it's one it's the one that kind of like it's a very personal one for me but I agree with you that is no I love that that movie. is one of yeah, those yeah it's great yeah but the I have my pick for this subtopic for a kind of iconic visual visual moment introductions is from the big Lebowski and which character w- w- the dude <laughs> we meet the dude and he's in a, in a in a supermarket, <laughs> and he is at the milk aisle, and he literally picks up um, picks up milk 
looks at the date, opens it, smells it, takes the smell, takes a swig, and kind of just went. Mm. It was he's sampling it like it's champagne, and it and it, oh, well, you've got the the the, the narration by um, oh, Podbot. What's the character's the 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 name of the actor who plays the narrator for the Big Lebowski? Sam Elliott. There you go. That's the one. Thanks, Podbot. Cheers, That's Podbot. the guy. Um, she does have her benefits, but, I suppose. I'm sorry, Podbot. I take great. it back. <laughs> But I kind of, I love, I love that introduction. Now this here story I'm about to unfold took place back in the early 90s. Just about the time of our conflict with Saddam and the Iraqis. I only mention it because sometimes there's a man, I won't say a hero, because what's a hero? But sometimes there's a man, and I'm talking about the dude here. Sometimes there's a man... Well, he's the man for his time and place. He fits right in there. And that's the dude in Los Angeles. And even if he's a lazy man, and the dude was most certainly that, quite possibly the laziest in Los Angeles County, which would place him high in the running for laziest worldwide. But sometimes there's a man... Sometimes there's a man. I love um, John Turturro's introduction in that film. Yeah, that's also that's another, that's, cracking. That's another character. A t- that's a character introduction by Tease, where we see the kind of the extremities of him. We see him pulling up his socks. We see his, you know, that pinky nail thing he's got. You know, that kind of he's got <laughs> all the rings and, and his tongue, all the netting, and his tongue. The kind of final close-up of his tongue. So that's a kind of a a strong iconic thing, and. Uh, <laughs> There's actually a thing um, in the Big Lebowski. They cut a little shot that was in the script that I loved. And when the dude eventually picks out his milk, he goes up to the to the checkout, and you the the checkout lady says, "Oh, it's sixty He's not even that. He's just writing a check for sixty nine cents. And, you know, it's just <laughs> nice. this lazy dude. And in the script, <laughs> in the script, they cut it from the film, but in the script, in the next shot, the dude is walking out to his car and he's got a baggage guy carrying the bag, <laughs> carrying his, his brown bag of milk for him out to the car. Another I was like, great <laughs> um, uh, uh, introduction by the Corn Brothers would be Marge in, in Fargo, you know, where oh, she's Lord, bending yeah. over and <laughs> do you see something? No, just feeling a little sick. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's uh, they're fantastic. Well, they, you know the characters just are so iconic and so many iconic characters in all of their films. They're they're incredible. Um, shall I move on to the next subtopic in this TED talk, Kevin? Hit me. I'm ready for it. <laughs> the next one is uh, character introduction through action, or in parentheses through you know using that saved cast kind of like technique. So, oh. Right, right, right. Introducing Blake Snyder's action. Uh, which one is that? Blake Snyder, the author of the Save the Cat. Book, oh yeah, sorry. Who, um, yes, he he came up with the term of well, Save the Cat. It 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 basically means when you introduce your hero and they do something noble or likable, like in the opening to mm-hmm. Aladdin, where Aladdin is a thief and he robs this bread, and he's just about to tuck into the bread, but he sees two starving. Um, street urchins and he decides to give them the bread instead and you think oh I like Aladdin he's not just a thief he's he's a nice thief that's save the cat type thing but Blake Snyder yeah. in his book or- mentions um, where Al Pacino 
uh, in um, oh, pub, what film is it? Sea of Love. Yeah, in that film oh. where he is about to arrest a guy, but he's with his kid and he decides not right. to arrest him um, in that moment. Uh, and that is his example of like a, a great save the cat moment where, um, yeah, it's an understated way of saying that the character's got decency or, or likability. Yeah. And like in the example of Hellboy, I think in, I think it's Hellboy 1, Hellboy literally saves a box of kittens in like his first action scene. You go, oh, he's not a monster. He saves a box of kittens. Yeah. Like literally saves a cat. Maybe that's where the no, save the cat comes from. Jeez, I, I, I haven't read that book in I'd years. I'd say it predates it. I'd say, I'd say save the cat predates Hellboy. I have a feeling. I'm not sure. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm, it I'm, does, to be honest. I, but then again. Oh, really? Mm, I don't think so. I think save the cat is. Pawbot. <laughs> when did save the cat come out? Oh, yeah. Save the Cat, the last book on screenwriting you'll ever need, was published in 2005. It was followed up by Save the Cat Goes to the Movies, the screenwriter's guide to every story ever told published in 2007. And Save the Cat Strikes Back, more trouble for screenwriters to get into and out of, published in 2009. Blake Snyder was also the screenwriter for 1994's Blank Check and the other seminal sliced loan classic. Stop or my mom will shoot. Hellboy came out in 2004. Oh, really? There go. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Um, so Sergio, Sergio Leone used it for a lot of his characters, like, because like a lot of his characters didn't really say that much, the man with no name and whatnot. But the, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to work for, you know, it's, it's not something that's necessarily applicable to just heroic characters. You can, you can do the same thing for villainous characters where we see how, what, how, what bad bastards they are, you know, through their actions or a character that's completely on his own. And the example I'm going to go for is Daniel Plainview in There Will Be Blood. Mm-hmm. There, he, there's no dialogue. All we see is we're introduced to Daniel Plainview... But we meet him down uh, as you know a mine shaft that he's you know dug himself, and he is determined. His determination just to find his his haul, find his gold, or find his oil down there. So much so that like you know when things screw up and he breaks his leg down there, he's still like you know his main focus is to go over and look, pick up a bit of stone and spit on it to check to see if there's if there's gold there. <laughs> like he's he's just. Yeah driving determination to accumulate to find this treasure is demonstrated in his action and that's that's a fantastic introduction for any character you know he's got the similar energy actually i think to quint and what you're reminding me of as you're saying all that is did you ever see the original introduction to quint in jaws so his introduction as you laid out is him scratching the uh the chalkboard but do you know what his original introduction was Remind me. So it was actually, it would have set him up much more of a villain. And he was in um, a music shop where they uh, sell instruments and they do repairs on instruments. And uh, he's picking up piano wire, uh, which I think is for his fishing rods. And there's a a kid Mm -hmm. who is practicing on a recorder and um, he's trying to uh, play this tune. And uh, Mm -hmm. Quint is behind him and he starts to overpower the kid by humming along and he's getting more and more 
aggressively overbearing because the kid is is fucking up and the kid eventually stops. It's like, oh, wow, that is a nasty man. And uh, it would have given you a very different um, idea of who he was. Uh, but they cut it. As a, I think I've seen that. Notice you mentioned, I was like, oh, I've seen that outtake. And I didn't know where it went in the original lineup. So that's interesting. You know, listen, it's a, the, the introduction he got was, you know, the far it, better it introduction works. at yeah, the end yeah. of the day. Absolutely. There's one, though, I want to say there, because you're talking about... Um, uh, uh, well, what was that category called? This was um, kind of like introduction through action, or like the save the cat kind of category. So, so we see characters doing. There's stuff one we... I think is really really cool, and it's uh, it is the introduction of a superhero. And I'll give you a guess. I'll give you twenty guesses of what it is. Right. Okay. It's not perchance. Is it the Green Lantern <laughs> in? The two thousand mid two thousands Green Lantern by Ryan Reynolds. No, you've got ninety more chances. Oh, no, I'll tell you damn. what it is. Shoot. It's actually the right. introduction of Wonder Woman in her origin film. Where, oh, uh, for the first time you see her um, step into her uh, costume and become the, the the character, and it's the first time that anyone got to see her on the big screen in that way and she's at no man's yeah. land and uh, she deflects the bullet and she crosses uh, the um, the no man's land and leads all the guys to uh, inspires all the guys to follow her and it is the best scene in that film and um, oh, wow. it's an amazing moment and you know that's a cool uh, scene so that was the first time she was actually in full costume in that, in that it film it is I didn't they tell her that you can't get that. across and she's sort of been led this whole time by the guys and she decides wow. no I'm, I'm going to get across because there are people in danger on the other side and she steps yeah. into uh, she climbs up and faces the, um, the the firing line and it's a brilliant moment yeah. it's a great moment and I think it's one of the best character introductions for a superhero in all of the superheroes that we've had all the Marvel movies and even uh, my beloved Superman film I think her introduction in that film is the the, the most kick ass I was joking. I thought you were going to bring up the the the, the S man, and I that's where I assumed where you were. That's going. why I was giving you nineteen guesses. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cool pick. That really is. Um, the next sub uh, subcategory is uh, I'm calling them the the scene chewer introduction, and I'm calling it the scene chewer introduction because it's basically our when we have a character that bounds into the story and they are literally chewing up every bit of scenery all around them and it's usually the T-Rex from um, Jurassic Park <laughs> yeah, literally too. this is the one where I actually mixed up with the, the Gilda reference I think this is more of a Gilda when 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 Risa Hero shows up we, she she flips her hair back and she literally just eats up that scene it's just you know she just commands that scene from then on um, the most iconic one of course 
is is from Dr. No and the, you know, absolutely iconic moment where we see Sean Connery for the first time and he says that line. Bond. James Bond. Mr. Bond, I suppose you wouldn't care to um, raise the limit? I have no objection. But it's really, we, we, it's a really iconic moment where once the camera, you know, once Sean Connery is on screen and he lights that cigarette, uh, all the, well, the eyes of, I uh, can't remember the character's name, that's uh, Podbot, what's the name of the lady character across from who's in the red dress? The character is Sylvia Trench. Played by Eunice Gason and dubbed by Nikki van der You're welcome. Oh my God, Podbot. She's going to become another co-host. She's like... <laughs> she's a co-host. Sorry, Podbot. But I'm just... I, You know, this is early onset Alzheimer's. So, um, but yeah. So it's... This is this is when we have those characters that just appear and just they just command Jeez, our attention. You could make a whole episode out of just introductions in the Bond franchise from mm-hmm, the female Bond... Uh, uh, well, the female Bond girls. <laughs> From yeah. the Bond girls to the Bond villains and Bond himself, all the different types of Bonds. There was a, this yeah. was a full of introductions. But you're reminding me as you're talking about Sean Connery there of a great introduction where he's present for it. And it is in The Untouchables when Andy Garcia's character is recruited into their team. And testing all these sort of cadets and these, uh, you from, these young uh, police officers and they're all the you know, getting side. overpowered by Stone. Sean Connery's sort of bluster and his bravado. George Stone. What's your real name? That is my real name. Now, what was it before you changed it? Giuseppe Petri. Jeez, I knew it. That's all you need, one thieving whop and the team. What's that you say? I said that you're a lying member of a no-good race. And Andy Garcia yeah. pulls his gun and points it at Sean Connery's neck. It's much better than you, you stinking Irish pig. Oh, I like him. And Sean Connery then melts into a smile. It's like, that's a great introduction yeah, like for uh, Andy Garcia's character. But also, that's just a great scene in itself. Yeah, a film that I'm so conflicted by has just so many great scenes. And that is definitely... That's probably a good way to put it. It's a, it's a film of great moments, but whether it all um, coalesces into a great... It's still a great fun watch. But it does have its yeah. flaws. I know, like, I've got a couple of more scene tours, but the last one, I definitely, I know you'll definitely respond to the last one. The, another example of uh, a scene tour. And usually, you know, in the early days, this is what I was saying about, like, where we see attractive men and attract, attractive women. But it's not just isolated that. But one, certainly a very attractive woman was the introduction of the character Lisa Freeman uh, in Rear Window, played by Grace Kelly. Right. When we uh, see her, when James Stewart's lying in his wheelchair and he's just kind of coming out of his slumber, mm. and there, uh, Grace Kelly, Lisa, just appears in front of him in, like, you know, soft focus, and she's the most beautiful thing that's probably ever committed to celluloid. And uh, she kisses him. How's your leg? It hurts a little. And your stomach? Empty as a football. And you love life? I'm not too active. Anything else bothering you? Mm-hmm. Who are you? Reading from top to bottom. Lisa. Carol. Fremont. 
and she's filling the frame and uh, it's just yeah that's beautiful it's a real he had a great way like he loved his Hitchcock blondes and he would photograph them you know lovingly almost you know yeah (laughs) too much yeah Yeah, he went a bit bit too far but you know Kim Novak has got a great introduction as well in Vertigo and he had a he had a knack for directing that Hitchcock fella (laughs) Mm mm-hmm the the other one so another scene sure but which also kind of goes into a kind of our villain territory which isn't like you know the gorgeous man or woman is of course uh, Hans Landa from Inglorious Bastards where yeah. as soon as he's terrifying came up in best monologues most of that scene it did and it's a second Tarantino character here and he once he 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 has that long monologue but he literally commands that entire space and commands that entire scene and he's also a villain but the my personal pick. And this is a very, very subjective personal pick for favorite scene, sure scene, is Jack Burton in Big Trouble in Little China, <laughs> played by Kurt Russell. Just listen to the old pork chop express and take his advice on a dark and stormy night, all right? When some wild eyed, eight foot tall maniac grabs your neck, taps the back of your favorite head up against a barroom wall, and he looks at crooked in the eye and he asks you if you've paid your dues. Well, you just stare that big sucker right back in the eye and you remember what old Jack Burton always says at a time like that. Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir, the check is in the mail. And I love Jack Burton's introduction in Big Trouble in China. He's driving on his big rig truck through a stormy, on a stormy highway or freeway and he is literally chewing a foot and a half long sub sandwich while with sunglasses on in, in, a, in the torrential rain and he's just talking down the CB radio to whoever is listening to him <laughs> and he's great. just telling his story and he's taking chumps. He's fantastic. <laughs> and it's just the way he delivers his lines. <laughs> I love him. It's so good. Can I tell you that my pick, actually, because you've teed yeah. me up now, is another Kurt Russell film. And it's another Ooh. Kurt Russell character. Uh, and, right. oh, God, I was torn between one or the other. Um, but I think right. I can tell you both now and give you my pick for, for if I was doing this episode. It's going to be one of these two. Actually, you can decide what right. one you think is the better. But it's, um, I love the sort of the, the stealthy setup and payoff type introduction where mm-hmm. um Kurt Russell in the thing his introduction in that he's playing chess and he loses to the to the computer <laughs> and he's keeping himself isolated from all the other guys and he's the hero that gets this sort of great introduction out of all these other sort of nondescript characters he's playing chess he loses and he pours his his drink into the uh the hard drive and says And what I what I love about that is that the very end of the movie of the thing is when Keith David arrives after disappearing for the climax, and neither of them uh, trust each other. Nobody trusts anyone in that film. And Kurt Russell, in his final act, you know, inverting or calling back to his introduction, he offers Keith David his drink, his bottle of whiskey, and we right. know that they're not supposed to swap. Um, anything with any sort of DNA in it, so uh, spoons or, or bottles or anything like that, they shouldn't swap them. And Keith David knows mm-hmm. that as well, but he accepts the bottle and drinks from it, which suggests that he has no fear of being infected because he's the uh. thing. And uh, Kurt Russell laughs. And that is the, uh, the his final sort of 
moment in that movie, and I just love the, his introduction for how it pays off at the end, even though this is just me reading it that way, because they've never confirmed whether Keith David is the, the thing, but I think he is. So I love that. That was going to be my pick, but then mm-hmm. because that 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 reminds me so much of Tremors, I was also going to go that direction because Tremors is uh, opens with Kevin Bacon sleeping in the back of a pickup truck on the cliff where the movie ends. And spoilers for this film: uh, Earl, you know, Valen Earl, Earl um, pees mm-hmm. over the side of the cliff where they're going to send the monsters uh, hurtling to their death at the very, very end. And he wakes up Kevin Bacon by shaking the, the pickup truck and saying, stampede. And you get to know these two guys to have a plan to sort of leave the small town. Um, but the film ends with that plan coming to fruition, which is that they cause a stampede yeah. to send the grabber off the cliff where he was peeing off. And I just love how neatly the story sort of uh, wraps up, where it's how we, the movie opened and how we got to meet these two characters is also how they, they close up the story. So, yeah. Class. Great character That's introductions class. and also great setups and payoffs. Yeah. Stealthy setups and payoffs. Very good. Although you got that backwards, you idiot. It is Fred Ward who plays Earl who is woken up, not Kevin Bacon. You call yourself a film fan. Unbelievable. Um, that, thanks madam. So That's, thank God she's there to save our butts <laughs> again. Um, now, my next subtopic is the one that we, we have to do the least amount of talking on because the this this subcategory is basically terrifying badass introductions category where we have our clear, our very clear villain comes into this it comes into the film and is very clearly villainous and is supposed to be scary and dominant and terrifying and of course the most iconic introduction of any villain character in uh, you know in cinema in a long time is Darth Vader's introduction in New Hope um when he boards Tantive 4 the, yeah. the the blockade runner that's has Princess Leia and you know he has the stormtroopers ahead of the white stormtroopers ahead of him the door you know and he's coming through the walks through the smoke and in the next shot he's choking a guy and it's just a a triumph of production design and costume design and um those are really the things that sell that character that costume and you know all that production design is amazing. Do you think he has a better character introduction in um, Rogue One? Oh, right. <laughs> he just arrives oh, at the right. very, very end yeah. and he basically just unleashes fucking bloody fury on... Uh, you know what? All the... I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that scene. I really did. Um, Can I tell you what my and, one would yeah. be for uh, a villain? Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on. It's got to be the Boar Queen in Star Trek First Contact. Oh, which okay. was the most expensive okay. s- sequence in that whole film. They sp- spent millions on that sequence of wow. her head descending from the rafters with her spine hanging out. Oh, off. yeah. Are you ready? Who are you? I am the Borg. That is a contradiction. The Borg have a collective consciousness. It's not just her, it's like her upper, kind of upper part of her torso yeah. as well. Like you know, She's talking the whole while. Wow. And it descends oh, yeah. in and the spine That's locks cool. into place and the, the suit hooks in. And you're like, ooh, shit. We've got a new, we've got a new villain in town. And uh, yeah, I thought yeah. that's a great sort of villainous introduction. 
Star Trek like made its own alien queen, the Borg queen, you know, um, taking a a leaf out of the alien franchise book. But that's really cool. Yeah, um, I love it. Another another terrifying villain intro is from uh, Fritz Lang's silent movie uh, M, which is really class. And if you haven't seen it, it's an amazing film. It's a uh, basically about a child killer is on the loose around this German town and has been marked by a blind man. But when we're introduced to him, we see a, a lovely, innocent girl just bouncing a ball along the street. And she comes up to a, a kind of a poster on a wall, which is which reads like, you know, a want, a want a murder is wanted. Any information on the capture of a murder will, you know, um, there'll be a reward for it. And she's bouncing the ball against the, the this, this sign. And over the word murder, a shadow appears of a man. And with a hat, and he's going. Du hast dabei einen schönen Ball. And it is chilling. Yeah. The film is ninety years old, and it is an absolute cracker. So um, that's a really good villain introduction. And I don't think we, you know, the idea with that is to elicit just terror in the audience for the terror for the audience to feel absolutely. Uh, Would you, you know, count shit in their John Doe's introduction in seven? As uh, fitting into that category. No, I have that'll be my next oh, category. Okay, there we <laughs> that's go. going to be, yeah. Go. I have one. I, the, well, on. That's the next. Where's it? Five. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. So the next. No, we're well down the road. We're actually only three left to go. So the next category is the 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 long-awaited reveal uh, of a character, and this is usually when we are when when this the film builds an awful lot of its narrative around the myth of a specific character. So. In the example you just said, the myth of John Doe, where Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman are detectives hunting down the serial killer, and all of a sudden he defies expectations and just appears mm. at the uh, at the police station, and it's a chilling, it's a fantastic introduction. Yeah, it's great. It really is. Yeah, and he's just there, standing there, just kind of almost nondescript man. And he is he's wearing a white shirt which is covered in blood, and he's got Set plasters or band bandages on each of his each of his fingers, which is yeah, obviously he's, he's been slicing off his finger, uh, his fingerprints. Brilliant. After this, I'm Detective. gone. No big surprise. Detective, you're looking for me. Hey! Don't you fucking move on the fucking floor? Keep away from him on the fucking floor. I know you now. Get out! Get down! On your stomach, you piece of shit! Now! All away! All away, fucker! Down! Faster! Faster! Faster, fucker! Now! Doors on the ground! Jesus Christ. What the fuck is this? I'd like to speak to my lawyer, please. God damn it! absolutely brilliant um and it's a great way of if you need to build it's basically building the myth of a character for uh to kind of like to hinge the narrative around in your film like for example like bill and kill bill is a perfect example oh yeah um i can't remember how he's introduced because they 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 do sort of what you were saying about sort of um seeing his extremities where um you just get to hear his voice where she says it's your baby and he shoots her in the head yeah, and he's only talked about like we really just learn about him from how the other characters relate to, re- talk about him, not even to him, because he's just 
he carries he's the weight of his character has such gravity for all of the other characters in this universe that he's clearly quite a powerful oh, figure. Oh, and Ishii um, as well. Lucy Lou's character introduction in that yep. is fantastic. That's a really cool one. That's a really cool one. Um, Harry Lyme in the third yeah, man is another yeah, yeah. one. Like, I saw you know, that come up on a, Twitter. A very yep. classic one. And but the one I went for for the long awaited reveal for me uh, has to be uh, one of my favorite horror thrillers, uh, Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs, where oh he's standing you know, in the glass up. cell, yeah. But it's about uh, this sort of introduction is about basically how the other characters talk about Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. How like you know the detective chief is saying Hannibal Lecter is like you know he did this to his own he does this he did this to another you know psychiatrist for you know insulting him slightly and even the the the, the guy who's running the, the the institution is warning her about Hannibal Lecter and. As we're going down there, there's the mythology of Lecter is established within the four walls of this film. Like, you know, he kind of comes in, not very late, not as late as John Doe, but certainly well into the second act. He's only got like about um, 12 minutes of screen time in that whole film. Yeah, yeah. But he carries, his character is, is, is... it's mythological, you know. He's still he's a mysterious character, and he's almost like he's almost, you know, unhuman. Dr. Lecter, my name is Clarice Starling. May I speak with you? You're one of Jack Crawford's, aren't you? I am, yes. May I see your credentials? Certainly. Closer, please. Closer. Kind of like a Kaiser Saucy kind of character as well, where you go, he's this this Kaiser Spectre. I think Kaiser Saucy falls into this as well. Um, from the usual suspects. Meh. So, um, <laughs> I know you're not gone. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's falling that. So that's a different, you know, it's utilized again. It's, I am so on. curious where you're going to go with this because you're, you're, you're knocking down so many that people brought up on Twitter here. Yeah. Where, uh, yeah. yeah. There's, I've only two categories left. I don't know how long we've been doing this, but I've only two categories left, right? This next one, in the second, the penultimate one, is the the slow, tension-filled introduction of a character of a character on in one shot, right? So it's really it's one shot, and it's where oh, I've the got characters are teeny tiny tiny little figures, and they slowly, slowly, and it's a really long take, and the character comes yeah. into frame. So before we, what is your what would be your pick for that one? Well, there's one iconic one, and uh, well, I don't know. I th- I assume you're gonna say, um, I'll say the on, iconic. Say one. what it is. Well, Omar Sharif, yeah, uh, Sharif Ali's <laughs> character in Lawrence yeah. of Arabia. Is that yeah, your yeah. pick? That would be my pick. My that perfect is, example of that. And type. the fact that they did that in camera. There's no yeah, trickery with camera. that. That's yeah. Oh my god, and the yeah, so good. My pick like, would be the introduction of. Uh, Javier Bardem's character in Skyfall. Good one. That's on my list. Great one. That's <laughs> it really is good. good. Yeah. Rats in a barrel. Yeah. Yeah. 
and he starts off it's all that one like he's really far away down this, this this large building and this room and he just just keeps approaching us until he's really close into the camera and it's it's kind of it's terrifying because there's nothing to he stop him such he's just coming villains. towards us and he's got a great introduction he's in um, in another Coen Brothers film <laughs> they're mm-hmm. becoming like our Spielberg no and James Cameron guys where they just keep popping up yeah yeah you know, no country from and the like the the Lawrence of Arabia one like still to this day is is damn stunning because as you said it's all in camera and like when you're looking it's Peter O'Toole is like out in the desert with a with a, a guide and he's just parched and he's you know he's desperately needs water and they're at a well and in the in the horizon all we see is this dot and you'd almost think it was like Luke Speeder in uh in in, in Star Wars the first one because you know the the uh, the horizon line is all you know vanished and you know you you know it's What's the word? The mirage kind of effect has kicked in. And um, he just keeps coming towards it. As he keeps coming towards us, like he gets a little bit closer, like a steady charge towards us. All of a sudden, he shoots the guys. <laughs> Tapas! So Peter O'Toole's going, what the fuck? And this, we do not know who this character is at all. And then at the end, he says, He's dead. Yes. Why? This is my well. I have drunk from it. You are welcome. Would you count the introduction of uh, harmonica of uh, in Once Upon a Time in the West as sort of fitting that category? Yeah. It's like a long, long, long take. And the train goes by, yeah. and then you get to see Charles Bronson. And he has that iconic line of, you know, where they, they're taking the piss and saying, um, they've only got three horses and there's four guys. And it's like, we're, looks like we're down a horse. Yeah. <laughs> looks like we're... <laughs> looks like we're shy of one horse. <laughs> you brought two too many. That's uh, that is amazing. It really is, and that would kind of like fall into again, like it's a good example of a character introduction through action as well. And uh, it's like that just falls into several categories because it's just so bloody fantastic. It I really have is. two kids' films and, to mention because uh, oh, I'm, please, I'm reading on. Twitter here as you're saying all that. And um, yeah, uh, do, is there a category where they would fit in? Should I hold back or should I tell you no? There is one final category. Oh, okay. and, uh, well, I'll tell you. Uh, right. Go on. What's the final category? The final category, and this is the category from which I'm going to pick my favorite introduction, character introduction. This is what I call the reversal of expectation, right? And it's basically where uh, you have an expectation about a character, and when we actually meet that character, it's subverted. So it's usually played for comedic effect, like 
you know, for example, in The Pink Panther, when we <laughs> finally meet Professor Crusoe, we're yeah, yeah. expecting to meet this incredible detective. Genius. And in actual fact, quite clear, quickly, he's he's a buffoon and it's like, oh, he's not this great detective. Um, another example is um, in Amadeus. We hear all about Mozart and when we finally get to meet Mozart, he's this kind Rascally, of like childish, yeah. yeah, rascal underneath a table chasing a girl trying to get up her skirt, you know, completely subverting that expectation. But Absolutely humanizing him as well. Absolutely, absolutely. We're yeah, you, yeah. It's 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 yeah. It's it's subverting our expectations, and it and it's, it draws us into that character even more. And this is going to be the one where I'm going to have my best well, pick well, from the reversal. Uh, hold of it for a second. Let build anticipation. Right. I'll tell you just because right. I'm scanning Twitter. Two great kids' film introductions. Buzz Lightyear right. in Toy Story. Star Command, come in. Do you read me? Why don't they answer? <gasps> My ship! Blast. This will take weeks to repair. Buzz Lightyear mission log, stardate 4072. My ship is run off course en route to Sector 12. I've crash-landed on a strange planet. The impact must have awoken me from hyper. Yes, it's, it's flipping all over the place, and it's you. You get to see the bravado and the the the, the um, delusion of that character. It's so fun, and instantly you're like, okay, this movie has kicked up a gear. Buzz Lightyear is here, and the other one is yeah. the opening to uh, the Goonies, where you get to meet all the different oh. characters in this sort of little vignettes. Um, as they're they're yeah. going about the day with Data doing his um, his gadgets and. Uh, Andy doing her cheerleading and um, yeah, yeah, uh, great. You kind of, again, you're you're seeing all the characters in action. You're seeing them do their kind of like their trait, their character trait. And we go, oh, that's and Chunk is eating food or whatever yeah. it is, or like presses up against the window and squirts, you know, milkshake. Richard everywhere. Donner, R. that's R. a really cool one. Oh, Mr. Richard Donner, <laughs> he's a great guy. No, um, I'm so glad because I was nervous there. I was like, oh, God, my pick's going to be said here. But it wasn't. So my favorite pick and my my favorite character introduction is a very, like all of these picks, inc- we're not saying this is the best, you know, objectively. This is completely subjective. And my I one have comes, no uh, idea where it, you're, what, what you're going to pick here. <laughs> I'm, I'm lo- I love it when you do not know. I genuinely do not know. But it's from the subcategory of the reversal of expectation. And it comes from a film that is now, I suppose, considered to be quite old. And it's from the nineties. Um, it, it, <laughs> yeah, from the nineties, back when we were young. It is. Um, it is from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and it is the introduction of Willy Wonka, uh, Gene Wilder's Willy oh, Wonka. Oh, not Johnny film. Depp. <laughs> no, no, no. That was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and I love this introduction because. For the first, you know, uh, first act of that film, we have, again, we're building up the mythology. This is a kind of plays on a couple of ideas. The mythology of Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, but playing up the mythology of him as a character as well. And everyone, the whole world is just manic to get these golden tickets to finally get into the factory. The mythology of the factory is opening in. But then when all the tickets have been gathered and all those kids are outside the gate from all over the world, everyone, the world's press... Are, have their cameras pointed at the door of Charlie the, of uh, Wonka factory, and then when the bells strike, the door opens and out comes this frail man. He looks kind of oh, gaunt yeah, and frail. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you now. 
Yeah, man. Bringing it back. And he starts hobbling along on his walking cane along the, the red carpet. And everyone's a little bit nervous. Everyone's just kind of like going, oh, God, he's, yeah. he's not exuberant and he's not whatever. And just as he gets to the end of the red carpet and the gates are opened, he puts his walking stick into the cobblestones and his walking stick gets stuck in the cobblestones and he takes a couple of more steps forward and he realises that his walking stick isn't there and all of a sudden he kind of like tilts forward as if he's going to fall and instead he does this somersault roll and he just stands and pulls his hat Proper out. Proper circus uh, you know, presents sort of himself. reveal. So God. It's brilliant. It is brilliant. It is. That's a and great film as well, and it holds up so well. Thank you. Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my chocolate factory. Would you come forward, please? Yeah, man. And I love that pick because uh, you picked that it. was a brilliant... <laughs> yeah, I love that pick. But no, I love the I love the the decisions that were made in that. And the decision of doing the somersault was Gene Wilder's because he had gotten the script he'd gotten the script and you know I was really interested in doing it. But he said, you know, when Wonka comes out, I want him to do this this gag. And when pushed by Mel Stewart, the director, as because it was adapted from Roald Dahl's book, and I think he wrote the screenplay as well. But when Mel Stewart pushed him and said, Why do you want to do that? Um Gene Wilder's response was, he said, well, if I do that, then for the rest of the film, the audience doesn't know what to expect from Wonka. There you go. If he's telling the truth or if he's lying. And for the rest of the film, you don't know if he's dangerous or if he's if he's a psychopath or if he's got uh, just a... That's a, so a, clever. A, a big heart. It's yeah. brilliant. All from that one action. Excuse me for clicking my fingers. From that one action, it creates mystery and doubt, not only in the audience's mind, but in the character's mind. We are, we are, we are in the same shoes as the character in that film. Not, and, and it doesn't quite work. It doesn't work at all in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, in my opinion. But in that film, it's just perfectly executed. And uh, it creates a riveting character for the rest of that film that we just don't know if he's dangerous or if he's good. And it creates, uh, it's just one of the great, you know, family films that was ever made. So that, Kevin, was my best character introduction scene, which is Willy Wonka, Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka and Willy Wonka in Chocolate Factory. Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. What do you think of that, Podbot? That's the great pick. I love that. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Didn't expect to say that. <laughs> that is great. And I think that's a great introduction to us as well for season two because my pick would have been from a horror movie starring Kurt Russell, John Carpenter's The Thing, and yours was mm-hmm. a children's uh, fantasy yeah. um, feel-good comedy. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of got psychedelic horror bit oh, moments in there. Well, too. you could say the same thing about uh, the thing. Got some great moments. In there. But there you go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I good. think we're back, baby. Episode one in the can. Thank God for that. And that was the well. That's the end of our first episode and of season two. But we have business at hand, and that business is figuring out what Kevin you've got to do next week for your topic. (laughs) 
And I can already sense the satisfaction in your voice that you got that over with, and now you get to like <laughs> throw it to me. Yeah, <laughs> it is a joyous moment to be the person spinning the wheel. It really is. Uh, I I do love it. It is great, and. Um, but uh, do you know what? It's actually great because I was—I I genuinely enjoyed going. Oh, characters—that was a fun topic to to, to cover and um, think about. But what we're going to do, Kevin? Shall you explain to the audience and to me exactly what we're doing this with the wheel right now? So the wheel in the first season was three hundred different scene topics. We spin it. Uh, and whatever comes up, we then tackle it next week. And there was a veto in there as well, which you got last year. And mm-hmm. you use that veto um, to get rid of yeah. torture porn scene. Um, <laughs> yeah. God, thank God. That would have been a funny episode as well. But oh, this year, we've got some it. other elements, which is like we can double spin it. We can spin it together. We can trade based on uh, what you get and what I get. We can kick it down the can. Um, there are lots of like different elements that we can get more into once we sort of figure it out more precisely. Um, but mm-hmm. I think... Just to give it a little bit of novelty for this episode, I mm-hmm. reckon what you can do is you can double spin it and you can give me right. a hint on what topic comes right. up uh, for each spin and then okay. I'll decide based on that. So oh, okay. let's oh, okay. let's see so if that makes, makes it more interesting or if it makes it more long-winded. <laughs> oh, I think it just makes life easier on you compared to me being at the mercy of the, of the Twitter folk. <laughs> exactly. Kind of go, mm, it's my way of getting to see what my options are before <laughs> I get there. Yeah. Oh, well, look, we'll give it a that go. That sounds like you're making it easier for yourself, cheater. Shut up, Podbot. I'm not cheating. This is for the <laughs> audience. You're right, Podbot. You're right. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, give okay. It a- I'm going to spin it the first time. Okay, here we go. And it's spinning. And it's spinning around spinning around uh yeah okay there we go so i'm I'm seeing the topic now so i'm not going to tell you the topic but i have to give Give you a a clue yeah give me a clue okay so um okay so my clue i'm thinking about this okay so my clue is first is worst and second is best as in like the Okay. uh, okay as in like a race thing First is worst, mm, second is best, third is the one with the hairy chest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. That's okay. it. Okay. But we're, we, you don't have time to dwell on that because I have to spin it again. Okay. 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 okay everyone, spinning again. We've already done chasing. So um... we've already done chasings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And next one is. So I see what the topic is. <laughs> okay. Right. I've, I literally. The problem is here is I have to come up. I have to do extra thinking on this, and um, I'm not good at that in this um, at this late night. Okay. Here's your hint. It's four in the morning. <laughs> this is your hint, Kevin. The bigger they come, the harder they fall. Okay. What the fuck does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. Is it a boxing? The bigger movie? they come, the oh, harder they fall. Tell me. Okay. It could be. It could be about diets and. Um, okay. Um, so first of all, second is the best. I am going to say, Podbot. I've been slightly rude to you. Uh, you can make it up to me right now. Pick one of those two and make it good. Seeing as I know what both of them are, I would choose the second one. It suits you. Actually, no, I don't want to do that one. I'm going to go with the first one. <laughs> best. Um, second is the first best. First is the worst. Best second is the best. The best. Give me that yes. one. Well, Fuck that, off, Podbot. So that I one don't is... trust you at all. You basically just told me that that <laughs> was... 
The hard one. You are such a langer. Okay. The first oh, one. That topic, Kevin, is best sequel reboot scene. So I'm assuming that's like a, 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 a sequel that's also a reboot. Like soft so reboot? sequel reboot. Mm, yeah, I think that's kind of what it is. I think that's what it is. Okay, so we're I talking can work like, with that. I can work with that. Star Wars Episode Seven is a kind of, I suppose that's a sequel. What was the other one, actually? Can you tell me what the other one was now? Oh, the other one was Best uh, best Monster Scene. Oh, that's good, so yeah. No, I'm happy with what I got. Because we've done okay. we've done good, SFX, good, good. so yeah, okay. Best sequel, yeah. sequel what? Sequel... Sequel reboot scenes. So we kind of haven't. So that's a kind of specific. Yeah, there's a specific okay. number of films that fall into that category. So. And I think yeah. I'll try and rope in a guest for that. I'll see. Well, don't leave this in because <laughs> maybe okay. they'll say no. But um, all yeah. right. Okay. Best sequel reboot scene. That's actually Great. delicious because it's the second episode back on the second season. Sequels. Yeah. Happy with that. Great. Kevin, where can people find you? They can find both of us, I think, on Twitter under at uh, yeah. Best Bits Pod, and both our handles yeah. are on there. How's that? Streamlined oh, yeah, for you. That's the one. That's the one. And we're also on Letterboxd, but that's still a, a thing under construction. And uh, and Facebook somewhere as well. So you can look at Facebook if you wanted to, if anyone. That's the thing that's still out there. It is. But, um, mm hmm. Yes, that's episode great. one down. Oh my god! Hey, season two. Season two. I'm delighted. I'm delighted. And everyone, listen. Uh, thanks again for all of the uh, ratings and the wonderful reviews on the Apple and all your podcasters. Please keep hitting five stars on Apple <laughs> and uh, recommending Please. us. That's how. Please. That's how we can continue to grow. Um, yeah, we started off at the start Will's point. Kids Why would you want him if he doesn't get five stars off the internet? <laughs> Will's kids You're never so had used to just getting him. five stars constantly for all your bloody writing work. So <laughs> I just want to be cool with the kids. That's all I want to be for once in my life. It's as simple as that. And never um, gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> Tragic. All right. Come here. Loved it. That was that great. Was great. Thanks, We're back. Thanks, all right. Yeah. Best sequel reboot scene next week. Love it. Good luck. That wasn't too bad now, was it? Back next week. The Best Bits podcast is produced by Will and Kevin. All audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. If you have any notes, comments, scene suggestions, or just want to get in touch with us, email us at bestbitspodcast at gmail.com. And here is a clip from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. The best bits for Will and Kevin. No, the best bits for Kevin and Willem. For the films and the, the TV and the latest films. Something, something, something. something. Um, don't forget that you owe us three euro. Okay. <laughs> you can't you know, what? <laughs> oh my god. I, I did a whole Irish theme. The best bits for Kevin and Willem. Fucking deviant lit. Okay, right. I'm gonna find the fucking thing because it's gonna be the music to start the episode. I don't think I've heard this. You have. Well, maybe you haven't. I don't think I have heard this. I do. I suspect that what you do is you just put the laugh and emoji thing and think I'll listen to that some other time. Fuck it. That'll do. Because it's bound to be funny in his eyes. So yeah. I'll just tell him what he wants to hear. 
I actually only laugh the emoji when I've actually listened. <laughs> I should have taken the hint that nobody was responding to the Podbot one. Like nobody was giving me any reaction to it. And oh. I thought they hadn't listened to it yet. And then of yeah. course I was delighted with that and people hated it. <laughs> it's not it was it was it wasn't easy on the ears in a, in the sense that it was just her monotone voice, so there was no up and down. That's the thing. Yeah, I know. I tried my best. You're a bug and I'm a feature. Pray to this mantis or I'll eat you. And if you don't know my name, here's an update to teach you. I'm I'm, I'm Hogwarts and I'm the future. An AI podcasting computer. The number one zero one zero zero one one producer. Yeah, that's exactly what did you do? So, Don't forget, now you owe us three euro. I come off the stage. Not, I've not, I've, I've not heard this. I swear to God, I'm going to send it to you right now, and you can get a genuine reaction. I'll actually listen to it. So I'm, I have my WhatsApp open. That's genuinely my first time hearing that. <laughs> I just could easily have just scrubbed it from my memory. That's the other thing that could have happened. How do you operate? I I, I, I generally just go on impulses. So if I need to toilet, I just toilet. And that doesn't necessarily mean I need to be in the proximity of a toilet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You just go. I just nappy it, Kevin. I just man, I just adult nappy it. Oh, we've got loads to talk about. Um, I've watched a load of things. So have I. But I think I should get one thing off my chest straight away because I think the discourse out there sometimes can feel really artificial to me and it can feel like people will films to be worse than they are in order to have something to point at and ridicule and sort of create content about should I start the timer? Is this, have we just started? Start the timer because I'm rare okay. to go. I saw Madam Web. Right. I honestly, guys, know nothing. All I all I know is I saw a poster. Oh, very recently, it went. There's a Madam Web film, and I'm. What is this? So it's a Spider Verse adjacent Marvel movie. Yeah, it's it's one of these Sony things where they did Venom and they're doing Craven the Hunter, okay. and it's sort of an offshoot of the Spider-Man movies but I don't right. know what universe they're in because they're trying to blend them all together so is this the Tobey Maguire Spider-Verse to me it feels like it's in that space mm. anyway I thought I'm done with superhero movies I'm just over them I watched Captain Marvel not re- long ago and I thought it was just tedious it's so lifeless the Marvels not Captain Marvel is that what Marvel's well yeah. she's in it Captain Marvel Captain yeah. Marvel 2 it was just sort of like, it was another one of those films that felt like Ant-Man in that everything was chemical and synthetic and fake and mm-hmm. airless. And, you know, you just have sound stage after sound stage. And I just feel profoundly depressed watching those films. We feel like uh, yes, there's nothing organic happening in these. From the lines of dialogue to the hairstyles to the costumes to the sets to the music to everything just feels It's artificial wafer thin just wafery artificially no sustenance no satisfaction you know protein in it whatsoever you feel like oh wow I just I just put something down my throat and I'm still hungry It feels like eating plastic Okay On the whole it's just drifted so far away from what Iron Man was that I just don't care about them Yet I found The Flash really fun because it was it felt like a Bill and Ted 
type movie at times. It was off the wall bonkers. And I don't really particularly give a shit about special effects. Whether they're good or bad, you know, I can buy into it because of the ideas behind it or the concepts behind it. So I wasn't like revolted by the, the special effects of the Flash. I just thought, you know, it's mm. funny to see babies falling out of windows and being put into microwaves and things like that. So I went into Madam Web, not really giving a fuck about the genre, but I wanted to see it for the sake of having an opinion on it. And the trailer was awful. It had that terrible line reading in it from the Dakota Johnson where she's, she's shitting out exposition. And I think people had the film's cards marked at that stage. And uh, the film itself, to me, played like a Final Destination action thriller. And I thought it was really pleasant. It didn't bother me in the slightest. I didn't have any of the issues that everybody else has. It was uh, a reluctant hero with no superpowers whatsoever other than having premonitions, trying to keep three teenage girls alive against somebody who's like the evil version of Spider-Man who wants to murder them. And they just played it out in a very cinematic way where it felt like a Sam Raimi type Spider-Man. It looked as good as that. It was all real locations. For me, it felt like a lovely throwback to the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. And I don't get why everybody loads the film. I thought it was just fun. Oh, wow. Uh, all I've yeah. seen is the negative discourse. And you're the first voice. I believe, you know, I haven't listened to the episode because I haven't watched the film yet. I know the Cinemile uh, had differing views. Oh, fuck. Me and Kathy, we were the, so far the only people that I know who don't think the film is dire, but Dave almost had a hernia on that episode. It was very <laughs> enjoyable listen to listening to it. <laughs> Oh, I have to listen to it. He was, I'm really curious. I'm really he was curious. disgusted because Cathy was pushing back and I thought it was very, very funny. And then when I saw it, I was like, do you know what? I am actually on the side of Cathy here. This is actually grand. Right. This is actually grand. So I, <laughs> <laughs> but you That's know so what? Funny. It didn't feel like a superhero movie. So I liked it for that reason. Oh, it's okay. I'm just going to look up some of the, the credits. And I like Dakota um, Johnson's performance as well. She was playing this sort of curmudgeonly antisocial character. And to put that type of person in the role of having to be a protector is actually really fun for me. And it's a role that you don't see many female characters inhabiting. That's more like a Harrison Ford type role. And um, I enjoyed it. So I don't get why everyone is shitting their britches over it. It's grand. Thank you.